Hallelujah. God is good. Can you say amen? Well, good morning, Garden. I am Mike Petzer, and uh, it's my privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. You would have got a flyer on your chair. If you don't have one, ask somebody next to you to, sit up, to stand up quickly and take theirs, that, because they're sitting on it. And uh, the goal behind this is to be able to uh, make you succeed and uh, to be more successful in, in your life as a believer. Can you say amen? And uh, the material that we'll be covering, I have uh, been preaching for the past 35 years on five different continents that I have preached it, and almost uniformly across the board, we've heard the testimony again and again. I feel like I got saved all over again. Uh, that's not because you're not saved. It's just that God wants to restore the joy of your salvation. Amen. And uh, we're going to have uh, Pastor Timothy uh, Berry will be helping as well with teaching some of the classes. And so we're going to have, yeah, we're going to have a great, uh, a great impartation. It's going to be a big impact. Uh, if you want to listen to some of the testimonies again, a couple of months back, uh, I spoke and uh, ministered. And uh, you can go ahead and watch that again uh, and just see some of the testimonies. But I know that regardless of where you are, and I've taught people that are in their uh, early teens all the way up to uh, people who have been as old as 80 years of age, and all of them have been blessed. Uh, I have ministered to people who are brand new believers and some who have been in the ministry for decades already. And without, without exception, all of them have been deeply touched, greatly moved, and their lives intensely enriched by what we are ministering and sharing. So it's going to be a great time. It is a discipleship school, which just means it's going to help you have a more wonderful and glorious experience with Jesus Christ than what you ever thought was possible. God is infinitely better than we ever hoped that he would be. And he's ready to surprise us again and again with his limitlessness. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, that's it. Uh, go ahead, sign up. Go to, uh, to gardenbakersfield.com. The details are there on the flyer. And uh, go ahead and sign up. And uh, let's be part of that. Let's go on this journey together and have an amazing time. Can you say amen? <clears throat> Praise God. Well, I'm a little bit hoarse in the second service. And uh, that, that's because uh, I shouted a lot during the worship in both services. So, and, and I did all my jumping, but I'm going to try and be as uh, bright and cheery as possible. So in the first service, I said, you know, God, God has those moments when it's gentle and quiet, and he ministered to you comfort and, and, and words that are gentle and quiet. Uh, and and I'm, I apologize this morning. The worship was that. And I'm not apologizing for the worship, but you're about to get slapped. Because sometimes you just need it, right? You know, like when you're, when you're going through and, and you, you see somebody that's just fleshing out. They're screaming on the top of their voice. Saying, you know what really is, is missing here is just a slap. Just, just to bring, and sometimes you feel like you've been anointed and appointed by the Holy Ghost to do that. The Holy Spirit of slap just comes all over you at that moment, right? All right. And, uh, but, but we're not going down that road. Amen. Now, some people falsely reported to you that I jumped off the stage and started slapping people. I, I, heard, I heard people who were saying that, and uh, they, 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 mis they were misspeaking, because I did not jump off the stage. Uh, I didn't need to. The slap was hard enough just by saying it. So uh, we, we're going to carry on. Let's pray together. Father, we commit this time to you. We thank you that you're so good. 
so incredibly good. So, so much better than what we could ever have hoped for, Lord. And we thank you that you minister to us so fresh and anew this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I want to minister to you this morning on the topic of essential faith, the essential aspects of faith. It was the Pentecostal pioneer Smith Wigglesworth who said, one moment of faith is better than a whole night of shouting. And sometimes we need to understand that God just wants us to believe. Because when we moment we believe, we enter into rest. The moment we believe, we enter into joy. The moment we believe, Christianity is what it was always meant to be. But when we are on the outside in unbelief, then it seems like it wasn't everything that it was cracked up to be. Somehow we're missing some of the special ingredients. And so I want to make sure that by the time I'm done this morning, that you will have at least some of them. Because let's face it, if you're going to bake a decent cake, you don't want to leave any of the ingredients out. Amen. Uh, I have no intention of having a flop to eat this morning. And I don't want to eat a flop for the rest of my life either. I'd like something that is well risen. Hallelujah. Thank God your faith is well risen this morning. Amen. We're going to have all of the ingredients that we have. So let's go to the first verse we're going to look at this morning. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Sometimes we want to put everything on God. Well, you know, if God moves, this will happen. If God does this, this will happen. I want to say to you this morning, God's waiting on you. This man came to Jesus and he said, I have a problem. My son is thrown into the water by a demon. He's thrown into the fire. It's constantly trying to kill him. Listen, every hardship you go through is designed to kill you. Every, it's not there to make you stronger. It's designed by the devil to kill you. He wants you to quit, to give up, to lie down, to play dead, to stop going forward, to say it's not worth it, the price is too great, I can't keep on going. He wants you to start saying that because he can make you do it, but he can get you to speak yourself into it yourself so that you do what you say that you are going to do. The enemy needs your mouth to agree with him so that he can bring the mess that he wants to make permanent in your life. Do not surrender your lips to somebody that is a stranger to the purpose of God for your life. Hallelujah. Do not allow him. Jesus said the voice of a stranger they will not listen to. I have to admit this morning, that I have listened to the voice of a stranger. I have allowed those statements, well, they don't love you, they don't appreciate you, you're never gonna amount to anything, your life isn't worth anything, nobody even noticed, it isn't even working out. I've allowed those statements to not only play in my head, I've allowed my mouth to go ahead and agree with them. You and I have the deciding vote. 
The enemy says everything is going to go bad for you because that's my plan that I have for your life. And God says you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Of His fullness have we all received and grace upon grace. Then when that scripture tells us that we have all of those things, we can, we can decide. Either we're going to side with the enemy, in which case his plan can remain, or we can side with God and his plan can remain. You have the deciding vote. When we go ahead and make these decisions, this man is in desperation. He's saying, Jesus, my son is in a terrible state. If you can, and Jesus looks at him and says, no, if you can. The question is not if I can. The question is, can you? If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Most things were possible would have been nice. Most things could be possible would also be nice. We could live in kind of a dreamy world of what might be. But Jesus not only says that most things or a considerable number of things, but all things are possible to him who believes. And of course, the opposite is true. If all things are possible to him who believes, then nothing is possible to him who does not believe. Let's go to the next thing in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. What is faith? Is faith some elusive thing? What is it? In Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 3, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Faith is all about evidence. It says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It actually says faith is the evidence of invisible realities. Faith is the proof. When we have faith, we have proof for them. And when we have unbelief, we have no proof for them at all. And we live, we live in a world where everything that God says is spoken against. But God designed us to live in a world where His will is done in heaven and that His will is done without any contradiction in heaven. And we live in that world. We live in an invisible world even though we belong to this world. How many of you know that we are not of this world? That my source is not from the visible world. The truth of my life is not from the visible world. The truth of my life is from an invisible world which means the natural eyes cannot appreciate the man that I am. The natural eyes cannot appreciate the resources I have. The natural eyes cannot appreciate the intention of God for my life. In fact, everything in this world is a contradiction to the word that God speaks so very often. And we have greater evidence through faith in what God spoke of his purpose for our life than any contradiction in this world is able to give. Let's face it, church. Our experience in this visible world is the shortest one of our entire existence. We're only going to be here for a few decades. 
80, 90 years, the expectancy, life expectancy currently is 84 years, 84 years and six months, if you're a male. Ladies, you get to live a little bit longer. I'm not sure why that is, but maybe it's an apology for all of the stuff you had to put up with. But our life in the natural world is the shortest existence that we're going to have. We're going to live in the world that we can't see forever and ever and ever. Let's face it, we're all going to die. Um, the reality of it is that uh, probably in the next 60 or 70 years, almost everybody in this room is going to die. I hope that didn't come as a shock to you. You know that there's a world in which we exist complete, whole, perfect, healed, and free. And even though that world is not visible, it is more real than the one that we have right now. Because that world does not depend on this world, but this world absolutely depends on that. And what is true in that world becomes visible in this world. And what is in this world that is not a reflection of that world will pass away. And everything that we see around us is not going to be around. I remember some friends of mine took me for a driving lesson. I was uh, 18 years of age. And they put me in their brand new car that did not have insurance, which required a lot of faith. <clears throat> And I jumped into the car, and of course I was so bold, I reversed straight into a tree. They didn't make me get out, they made me stay in. And I discovered for the first time what unconditional love would be from people who were not my parents, who I knew from church, and who are still friends of mine on Facebook to this day, though they're pretty much in their later years now. And uh, all they could do was joke about the wonderful, special modification that they had to their vehicle that made it look different than everybody else's. God modifies the visible world. The visible world does not modify God. God changes what is in this world. This world's stuff is changeable. The world that is in, the, the, the reality of what is in God's world is unchanging because it is the way God wants it to be and it has always been that way and it will never be any other way than that way. No matter what happens in the temporary, that will stay the same forever and ever and ever. Amen. It can't be changed. The challenge is for us to enter into that world. We don't enter into that world through death. We enter into that world through faith. Jesus said that when we, we, if we don't believe, we will not see the kingdom of God. Except we are born again, we can't see it. And now that we're born again, we need to start looking at it. Because there's no point in saying, I just don't see it, when you just don't look at it. And God wants us to go ahead and look at it, amen. That world is entered. If, if you die before you believe, you're not going to see it. You will miss it. Faith lives in an unseen world. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. So faith is a constant evaluation of worth. It, it, it's a weighing of evidence. What God says versus what the devil says. 
what the plan of God is for our life and what the plan of the enemy is for our lives. The devil has a dream that he'd might like to make real in your life, and he can only employ what you're willing to give him. So don't surrender yourself to him. Amen. We say, well, how do I stop that? Surrender yourself to Jesus. Amen. Surrender yourself to Jesus. First John chapter 5, verse 10 says, The one who believes in the Son of God has the witness, which is the evidence, the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the witness, the evidence, the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. Remember, God brought evidence. Amen. God brought, God's mind is not full of a case against you. God's mind is full of a case made for you. God's mind is full of all of the evidence of your legal release from all guilt and condemnation and anything that could ever limit your approval or disqualify you from receiving everything that you need from Him. His mind is full of that. In Jesus Christ, everything you need is given to you. And through simple faith in Him, you receive all that you were intended to possess for all of eternity. And besides Him, there is no other. There is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved, except that name that is above every name, the name Jesus. 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 It makes every demon in hell shudder. Jesus. Jesus, 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 it makes every angel in heaven rejoice. Jesus, 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 it's the plan of God made real. Jesus, Jesus, it is the purpose of the devil nullified. Jesus, 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 hallelujah, amen. You see, the one who believes the Son of God has the witness in himself. That's why you're cheering. Sometimes I listen to stuff being preached and all I get is on, it gets on my spiritual nerves. It just annoys me, which is good because that inspires me to preach the truth the next time around. Hallelujah. If we don't believe him, we make him out to be a, a liar. Wow, calling God a liar. I've done that a few times, actually more than a few times. I didn't do it intentionally. I just didn't realize that I was doing it. You know, the enemy says you're never going to mount anything. You're never going to be anything. You're never going to accomplish anything. You're never going to do anything. It's all a mess. It's never going to get better. You're never going to get free. You're never going to get whole. You're never going to get healed. None of this is ever going to happen. And far too often I just said yes. Because it looked like that. And... I called God a liar because he said something different. And I didn't realize who was the one who made the rules. Because the devil's not the one who makes the rules. Can you say amen? Ah, hallelujah. Unbelief, of course, is the worst possible thing because it distorts who God is. It makes him something that he is not. Because if through unbelief we believe things about God that are not true, then when we worship God, we are worshiping an image that is not true of him. And therefore, it's some other God, not actually God at all. And that's why God required, regards unbelief as the worst possible sin. It's the only thing that will keep you out of heaven. It's the only thing that will stop you from having eternal life. Unbelief. Nothing else. Every sin that is committed by man will, shall be forgiven them. Not will, shall. That means it's definite. Jesus said that. 
except the one that is committed against the Holy Spirit where we reject the revelation of God in Jesus Christ and believe something evil about him instead. Thankfully, you can repent of that at any time and go ahead and start believing and not being unbelieving. Amen? So unbelief is the original idolater. It's the one that makes idols. It worships a God that isn't. It makes a God that is other than what he is. There's nothing more hurtful in our lives than to be known as by something other than what we really are, be, be known as something other than what we, we are in our innermost being. That's the most hurtful thing that any human being can experience. And God, too, regards it as the greatest insult that could ever be suffered as to be known other than what he has shown himself to be in Jesus Christ. Faith is such an essential reality. In James chapter 1, let's go to that next verse there. In James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, he says, But let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Anybody, anybody's life resemble that? Tossed, driven and tossed by the wind. Anybody feel like that on a Monday morning? Anybody, yeah, bad hair day, driven and tossed by the wind, that's bad hair day right there. Incidentally, uh, they did a study, I'm not sure if it was Harvard, but they found that men have more bad hair days than women. J just throwing it out there, okay. Moving right along before anybody starts slapping people. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, shame off of you. Amen. But, but let him ask in faith, but let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. You see, if we're not operating in faith, we're going to exhibit instability. And I don't know anybody whose faith is constant. People's faith goes up and down. That's why we need to constantly encourage one another. Instead of looking at it and saying, well, he's a pastor. He doesn't need any encouragement. In fact, I'll just tell him what I find wrong with the sermon and with the service and with other Christians and everything else because that's the subject matter that I think he needs to hear from me right now. The reality of it is that everybody has tough moments. And you have no way of telling when they are. Unless you're listening to the enemy, in which case he said, knock him down another few notches. They're already so, so low down. Give him another kick. You say, well, how do I avoid doing that? Never say anything that is negative. Never say anything that is, that, that is, that, that is an insult. Never say anything that is discouraging. Make a covenant with your lips that you will not speak things that, do, that tear down. Instead, you'll be building up because that's the authority that God gave to every person for building up and not for tearing down. Amen. That's what the apostle Paul spoke of in 2 Corinthians. He said, the authority God gave me for building you up and not for tearing you down. Let him ask in faith. If we're double-minded, that means you have two minds. Anybody had two minds? Some people... You know, I, some people say, well, I think faith is just mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. If you had a mind, it would matter. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Okay. Let not that man think that he will receive anything. You know what? To be a great Christian, you're going to have to be a great receiver. Not a great performer, a great receiver. Charles Spurgeon said, great, great Christians are great receivers. 
we have to learn to receive great things. William Carey, founder of Modern Missions, in 1795 went to India. If you look up his life in uh, a movie called Candle in, uh, Candle in the Dark, you will get an understanding of the trials the man went through. He said, do great things for God. Expect great things from God. Faith doesn't, doesn't just stay static, though. It needs to grow, and faith gets stronger and stronger. <clears throat> there needs to be growth in faith. David's faith grew. He went from killing a lion and a bear when defending his sheep to going ahead and killing Goliath. And then after that, he had to deal with somebody for 20 years that wanted to kill him. And he wasn't allowed to do anything to him. I think that was the largest giant that David ever had to face because there was somebody who tried to kill him all the time and he wasn't allowed to do anything to defend himself. That person was called Saul. But that's what it takes to make a man to rule and reign in life. Jesus also grew in his experience of the miracles that he did. He functioned on earth as a man even though he was God. He did the miracles as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power. According to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, uh, Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead and she had been dead for one hour. Then he raised the widow of Nain's son Next, and he had been dead for about a whole day, the Bible tells us. And finally, he raised Lazarus from the dead, and Lazarus had been dead for four days. Most people don't understand. They think, well, I, I'm just going to start with the most important things. And the reality is you can't start with the most important things. You're going to have to start with the ordinary things. And when you do the ordinary, we can progress on to the extraordinary but so, no, my, my, life's made, my life's intended for great things. And so I can't get involved doing ordinary little things. If you can't get involved doing ordinary little things, you're never going to do great things. Because if you're unfaithful in little, you're unfaithful in much. And if your faith can't get you out of bed and get you to church and get you serving and get you loving people when you don't feel like it, how's your faith going to get you to raise the dead and to conquer sickness and all of the other things? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. First John chapter 5, verse 4. Sorry, this one's a little tougher than the first service. We, we had a happier time. <clears throat> They didn't record that one, so you're just going to have to live with it. First John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This is the victory. You see, it's not about I'm going to be victorious. It's about I am victorious. Amen. I am victorious. And they say, oh, I, I don't want to lie. I, 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 I'm, I'm a realist. No, you're an earthist. You, you're, 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 you're a carnalist. You're a, everything that I can see is real. And so I want to only talk about that because I want to be truthful. Listen, truth is something that is unchanging. It'll be the same for all of eternity. What we see around us is not truth. Those are just facts, and those will change. Fact is, you're not a good person today. Tomorrow, you're going to be better. Fact is, you feel lousy today. Tomorrow, you're going to feel like a, a million dollars. 
Fact is, today you may have a bad attitude. Tomorrow you're going to have the greatest attitude. Hallelujah. Facts will change. But we want to stick with the unchanging reality of the truth of what God has spoken concerning our life. Can you say amen? Faith doesn't link us to the visible. It links us to the invisible. It links us to that reality. That's the one we're singing and shouting about. Hallelujah. So it's no good saying I'm going to be victorious. You see, if we're going to be the generation that really does what God wants us to do, we're going to have to learn to shout before we cross the Red Sea. See, when the children of Israel went across the Red Sea, when they got to the other side, Miriam took her tambourine, necessary to be a licensed instrument. That's what my wife tells me. And uh, <clears throat> she started singing and saying, the Lord has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider have been thrown into the sea. And it's great that when you've been delivered to start shouting and singing about the fact I've been delivered, thank God, miracles have happened. And I've all four testimonies about the fact that God has performed miracles and things. But it's going to take more than learning to shout after you've got across the Red Sea. Anybody can shout after you've gone across the Red Sea. Anybody can shout after your enemy just drowned in front of your eyes. Anybody can shout after you just came out of bondage and all of the craziness that you were stuck in and everything that was against you and everything that said you're going to die here and you're never going to get out of here. It's, it's easy to start shouting when you come out of that. But if you're going to go into the promised land, you're going to have to do something a little bit different. You see, the wind blew all night and then when they woke up in the morning, they saw that the sea had parted and it was dry land because it had been blowing all night. And now they were able to walk right across the Red Sea as on dry land. But when they came time to enter into the promised land, the Jordan River was in flood. And God said to the priests, go ahead and go and stand in the middle of the river. And he didn't say, wait until the river stands up in a heap. He says, you're going to go ahead and do it. And as they stuck their feet into the water, what happened? They're probably saying to one another, well, this is, this is what happens when you don't like the priests and when you don't like the people that are serving you. Maybe the worship was a little too long last night. So that's why they're sending us first so that we can be done away with. Maybe, should have, maybe we should have found out a different way. And as the Bible says, as they stuck their feet into the water, when it went ankle deep, suddenly all of the Jordans stood up in a heap and they were able to cross over. And they were a different kind of people because when they came in front of Jericho, the Bible says to them that they needed to shout and then the wall would fall down. Now they're told not to sing on the other side of the sea, not to sing on the other side of a success and something that has happened, but now to begin shouting before something has happened. They begin rejoicing even though they don't see it. They look at each other. I'm just not feeling it today. Are you feeling? No, I'm just not feeling it. But I'm going to sing anyway. Hallelujah. Yeah, because we people of faith. Yeah, let's do it together. We're going to make a noise like it's already happened. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Because here's the reality, church. We're not the broken that's trying to get whole. 
We're not the bound that are trying to get free and we're not the sick that are trying to get healed. We are the healed that the enemy's trying to keep sick. And we are the free that the enemy's trying to keep bound. And we are the broken that the enemy is trying to keep us from being whole. But gee, there is a God in heaven who has joined himself to your identity and what he has provided for you. And I choose to take a hold of his word and begin to rejoice in what he has said hallelujah and I'm going to start shouting about that I can't see it but I know it's true hallelujah I don't have eyes that can see but I know it's true hallelujah hallelujah somebody said to you well you've been going that's for so many years now when are you going to get over it say I'm already over it I already put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ he is my champion he is my victory he is my overcomer he is my success he is the truth about my life I have his testimony on the inside of me I'm not calling God a liar I'm believing what he said hallelujah Woo! Uh, that'll get you up on Monday morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I got to hurry. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Not difficult, not hard, impossible. Cannot happen. If you're about pleasing God, and if you're a believer, then you're about pleasing God. <clears throat> but if you're an unbelieving believer, and unfortunately, there's a lot of those. I don't have time to go into what unbelieving believers look like, but you can look in the mirror when you get home and come up with your own definition. <clears throat> come on, we just, just got to get real, right? Oh, we, we're, Pastor Mike, we're all sanctified. We, 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 we actually just came out of sufferance and pity this morning because we really don't need to hear anything more. Our lives are so wonderful. We, we're just so in love with Jesus. We've got so much truth inside. We really don't need any more. Absolutely, we need it. Amen. We really do. We need it. We need it. We, I need it. Let me preach to me. Okay. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that means I believe that he is what he says he is. It's one thing to believe that God exists, but it's another thing to believe that that God that exists is not the God that has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. We must believe that he is. He says, I am Jehovah Tzidkenu. I am the Lord, your righteousness. I am Jehovah Shammah. I am the Lord who is there. I am, the, I, I am Jehovah Makadesh. I am the God who sanctifies you. I am, I am the God who heals you. I am the one who delivers you. I am all of these things. But if, if you get tired, well, I don't remember all of those names. It's okay. When you say Jesus, you've said everything. Amen. When you say Jesus, You've said all of those things. The God who heals, the God who delivers, the God who sanctifies, the God who is near, even when he doesn't feel like he's near. <clears throat> By it, men of old gained approval. Abraham gained approval. God spoke to him and said, A father of many nations have I made you, whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Romans 4, 17. God said to him, your name, Abraham, exalted father, that's what it means. Your name's now Abraham, father of a multitude. He said, now hang on. 
exalted father, I don't even have a child. I'm not a dad. And now, you're not content with that name? That name's not big enough for the goal that you have for my life? Now I must call myself father of a multitude? I have to correct all of my friends and tell them, nope, you got it wrong. Not exalted father, father of a multitude. It must have seemed like a cruel joke. But I believe if we don't receive a larger identity, we can't have a larger future. If your identity is still being shrunk down, you can't have a bigger life. Take what God says, amen? And let me just say this morning, faith is not a sanctified version of denial. Remember, denial's not just a river in Egypt. You got that? Okay, it's good. It's not sanctified denial. This is not where we deny the. This is not where we deny the problems, deny the existence of the issues, anything. This this is where we affirm the answers. You see, God doesn't call those things that are as if they don't exist. He calls those things that don't exist as if they are. God isn't denying the current realities that we live under. He's affirming greater realities that will change every one of them. Amen. And so faith is where we go ahead and we take a hold of that and we believe that. So how do we get faith since you need it? You ready? Here we go. How do we get faith? So faith comes from? And? Faith comes from hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and if you didn't get faith yet and hearing and hearing and hearing if there's an area of your life you don't have faith in guess what you need oh pastor just lay hands on my head no empty hands on empty heads thank god right there are some things you can't pray into people and one of them is faith you can't pray it into them because the bible tells us how you get it not by hands laid on thank god for the laying on of hands Thank you. Two of you in agreement. That's good. <clears throat> the rest of you, we are in agreement. Thank God for the laying on of hands. Thank God for impartation. But faith comes by hearing. Unbelief comes by hearing also. you just hearing what the devil's saying. That's why Jesus said, a voice of a stranger they will not listen to. Amen. So, Fear comes from hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing all the negative garbage, right? And faith comes from hearing everything that God did in Jesus Christ over and over and over again. Hallelujah. So if we're going to develop faith, we're going to need to keep on hearing what God did in Jesus Christ. It needs to be something we can never move away from. We can never mature out of the necessity to hear again the reality of what Christ has accomplished for us. Can you say amen? There is never a point in our life where we will grow beyond that. The next question that people want to have, let's move to the next verse quickly, which is how to increase our faith. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, you have to have faith in order to increase it, correct? Because the increase... Uh, Zero multiplied by 50 is still zero. If you got nothing and you're trying to increase nothing, you still got nothing. So you have to start with something. And they say, uh, increase our faith. And what does Jesus say to them? If you had faith like a mustard seed, itty bitty teensy weensy little faith that is so minuscule, even that little bit, 
You know, your faith, no matter how weak it is, is greater than somebody else's unbelief, no matter how strong it is. Their unbelief won't cancel out your faith. Your faith will cancel out their unbelief. Can you say amen? Doesn't matter. From the weakest of us, we can all go ahead and do this. If you had faith, this is how to increase it, right? If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would do what? You would say. You get faith by, you, you increase faith by saying. And that means you're going to have to say something different with your mouth than what you may probably have been saying about yourself. Amen? Or saying about somebody else. The problem with saying bad things about other people is that it actually comes to you. So no, I was just saying it about them. No, it's actually coming to you. Jesus said with the measure you measure, it will be measured to you. So there's no point in saying, well, I escaped that because I've been judging everybody else and I've been looking at all the specs in everybody else's eye and I'm a speck inspector. No, you've got a two by four wrapped around your head. You got a problem. So I just hate specs. I'm going to get them out of the church. Well, I got news for you. We're tired of your two by four smacking us every time you walk in. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wear it like a badge. <clears throat> Jesus said you'll speak to the what? The mulberry tree. Why not to the mountain? Because that comes later on in the ministry. You've got to start somewhere. Some of you want to talk to mountains? He says, no, speak to mulberry trees first. Remember, we got to start somewhere, okay? You want, I want mountain moving faith. Well, let's try mulberry moving, mulberry tree moving faith first, okay? Let, let's do something, let's do something about the backyard before we take care of the local geography. Let's take care of what's happening closer to home before we start adjusting the entire countryside. Oh, come on now. You know this is for you. <laughs> and then let me finish with this. We can get this. I'm not going to get to the end of it, but uh, you know Mark 11, 23 and 24, but we're not going to talk with that one. That's the speak to your mountain. Let's look at Matthew 17, 20. And he said to them, every failure that we have in life is a faith failure as a Christian. Every failure is faith failure. We have to fail, first of all, in what we believe before we fail in our actions. We have to succeed first in what we believe before we succeed in our actions. Faith must proceed doing every single time. It's the New Testament principle. But faith always has doing attached to it. It is never independent of it. If you believe, you will do. Not every time that you do, do you believe. But in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, and he said to them, they came to him, they said, why couldn't we cast out this devil? We've been casting out devils all along with you. We've been doing all of these things all along with you. We've never had an issue before. And now suddenly we are encountering a devil that does not listen to what we say. We've been declaring it and now it won't budge. We've been speaking it. We've seen it work over and over again. And now suddenly there's something that's not working. Anybody been there? I've been there. Spent the night, got the t-shirt, everything else. It's not a good place to be. 
but I have to be honest. And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. Because if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. You see, Jesus said, they said, why why did we miss it? Why did we fail? Why couldn't we do it? He said, because of the littleness of your faith. If you are encountering something that's not budging, it's not because God doesn't want to answer you. It's because God wants you to grow. Sometimes we want instantaneous answers so that we can avoid the growth process. And we think that we can do things in our life without growing. But the reality is there are things that you're going to have to grow in order to be able to do what God called you to do. And growth is a good thing. It should be embraced and it should be enjoyed and it should be celebrated. It's an important thing. And Jesus' disciples, they had everything that they needed and yeah, they faced this impossible situation and Jesus calls it a mountain, not a mulberry tree, a mountain. They'd been dealing with mulberry trees. They'd been having good success with mulberry trees. But not everything in life is a mulberry tree. Something's a little bit bigger than that. God gives us the key, gives us the ability, and he gives us the authority to exercise that ability. And thank God we can walk in that. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we give you thanks. What an amazing and awesome God you are. We thank you for your great love toward us. That even though you found us in our brokenness and in our sin and in everything that was wrong, Lord God, you loved us and you purposed for us a life that was infinitely higher than we ever dreamed was possible. And instead of us being trying, trying to achieve it, you gave it to us freely as a gift and said, here it is. Take it, believe it that it's yours. Hold fast to it, and you will see every part of it be fulfilled before your eyes. And Father, we thank you. We've embraced Jesus. We've believed on him. We've passed out of death into life. We may not feel it some days, but we know that we're truly alive in you. And we thank you for that. If you're here this morning... You've been listening to the message, and you've never said yes to Jesus. Your hour has come. This is your moment. This is the time. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's not three months away. It's not after you get it all together. It's not after something else happens. It's right now when you say yes to Jesus Christ. In that moment, you're translated out of darkness and into light, taken out of death and put into life. You leave behind the old and you become brand new. Instantaneously, it happens. It's real. It's alive. It's powerful. It's true. And God wants you to have it this morning. You can do it right where you are. No special prayer necessary. Simply saying, Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. And then embrace everything that he has for you and thank him for it. I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. If you know this morning, you say, yes, God, you put your hand on things, you touch things very deeply, and I need to respond. I want you to do something. I want you just to get up out of your seat and come down to the front. The prayer team are going to be here. They're going to pray for you and minister to you, whatever it is. 
Now, I know you're probably saying, well, I don't have to go forward. I can just receive it right here. You've said that for weeks and you haven't received anything. Get up out of your seat. Come forward. Let God do something. Put some, put some motion to your faith. Go ahead. Put one foot in front of another. The enemy say, no, just stay here. Don't worry about it. You can do it next week because he wants you to stay in, stay in, in bondage for one more week. Don't stay another, more week, another week. Don't stay for even another moment. Get on up. Come on down to the front. People are here that are willing to pray for you and stand together with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we give you thanks this morning. What an awesome and a great God you are. Thank you for touching lives. We honor you for it all in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.